Okay, we're back. It's the Bedhead Cast, and it's Season 2, Episode 7. And the title of this uh, episode is Post-Holiday Blues. Is your device worthwhile? Chris, take it away. Well, I, all I can say is I'm, I'm really happy to, to have gone through a holiday in the recent past. And I also uh, think that the podcast this year, we're, we're improving it all the time, and we're hoping to get it to a point where it's uh, where it's better. Yep, absolutely. And that's going to happen. Well, yeah, I thought last season wasn't too bad. It was okay, but it, it, everything can be improved. Okay. So, Chris, what's the word of the day? Maniac. Whoa. Stands for mathematical analyzer, numerical integrator, and a automatic computer. Whoa. Okay. So, how does that relate to what we're going to talk about today? when we talk about apps and technology, wearable technology? Well, because every app that we have, every device that we have follows an analog, which is really the language of computers. So it's almost like every uh, app, or certainly more, more so every device, mm -hmm. has a computer inside of it. Okay, and so you mean like an algorithm? Yes, exactly. Okay. And it's mathematically based? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Right. And okay. Yeah. Exactly. And so this guy was the first guy to develop. Yeah, the first the guy first to develop it was, uh, and this is uh, in 1951. After trying to to analyze at Los Alamos, the uh, the atomic bomb, and specifically understanding what took place when that reaction occurred. Okay, so we're going from the atomic bomb to mental health applications. So let's let the, uh, we gotta help the audience out with that one. Okay, yeah, thank so you gonna, for, yeah, yeah that's a yeah, very, okay. very, that's the most important point. All right, yeah. The devices and the apps are very, very helpful. They're very helpful, okay. All right. but there's one problem, they're also, like an atomic bomb. Whoa. In that everybody is struggling with keeping up and... So too much information. Too much information. So that it's would like, be my complaint. Yeah, well, with it's like an it. atomic bomb. It's too much. Too much bomb. So that's what's going on in my head. That is what's going on okay, in your head. There's a bomb exploding. There is a... Got uh, it. Yeah, because I feel that when I'm faced with all of the information coming in, having to help patients and the demand is so so how would the patients feel well that's exactly right no, no matter how bad we feel they're feeling worse so uh, no surprise there there we go okay so tell us about the apps that are used in psychiatry because I'm going to talk about wearable technology and sleep okay well the, I would uh, first I divide them into uh, the categories of monitoring, uh, self-help, and, uh, and also uh, skills, okay. you, know, uh, you know, and, and so for the monitoring, to me, the best device, and uh, this is not trying to market anything, yes, because right. the, this company is going out of business. Oh, well, there you go. It's called <laughs> Fitbit. Okay. Fitbit is uh, measures how much you walk, mm -hmm. and if you can, when you're depressed, 
Well, first of all, it's good for your health to walk because uh, you're always meditating at that time. But you're also, if somebody's depressed, everybody says they've got to exercise. But it's just taking a walk as far as you can do. And by doing it, mm -hmm. you're then able to walk more because it's treating in part the depression. Ah, that's interesting because also, you know, this whole blue zone thing, mm -hmm. you know, um, really focuses on the importance of just being active as opposed to exercising. And of course, North American culture, we go to the gym, which, which allows us to say we're being active, but that's actually not true. We've gone to the gym for like an hour or 45 minutes, and then you and I, we're sitting in our desk for the eight hours. Exactly. And so the healthier, the people who make it to 100 years, which is the blue zone, you know, theory, is are, are, are people where they're active, doing normal daily activities, rather than crunching it all into an hour, going to the gym and making yourself feel better. So, yeah. I want you to explain. There's a number of different blue zones. Yes. What are you specifically referring to well, this for is this blue zone? Yeah, so these are the people who make it to past 100. Yeah. yeah. So it's, is, the, is the blue zone the map of, yes. Yes. of okay. those areas in the world exactly. where there are high concentrations yeah, of exactly. people yeah. that uh, reach 100 and, and more? Exactly. Um, okay, so just there, there are many apps used in psychology and psychiatry and and when we're seeing you know you're seeing our patients and con, con, giving us consult you always recommend these different tools for the patient depending on what the problem is and whatnot so can you sort of tell us some of the different types of apps um, well what one one app which is is uh, that I really like is it teaches you how to meditate okay and uh, it's sort of like uh, if, you're, if, if your eyes are closed, it doesn't mean that you're not awake. Mm -hmm. And if your eyes are open, it doesn't mean that you're awake. Right. Uh, and, and so meditation is really, by focusing on the here and now, mm -hmm. you are more awake, more aware, mm -hmm. and worrying about the past or the present. So I would say, though, too, that when you mentioned the business of walking and the watch monitoring, yeah. you're walking, and you said this is a meditative state. Yeah. And I would argue that in my life, when I went for a walk, it, it was definitely not a meditative state. It was probably the highest state of stress because I would think about all of the things I had to do. Yes. Yeah. So how do we help people understand it? Because I bet a lot of people who are listening, when they go for a walk, it's sometimes it's worse. Yeah. Well, it's it's better to walk with somebody because you okay. share a view of the world, okay. and right. they understand, you know, just by that presence. So being with others. Yes. Can, so I should have been walking with other people. Yeah. It'd be like that'd be like your wife or okay. your partner, uh, because when you see people walking in in that kind of setting, right? It's. Uh, the person is well enough to be able to do it and uh, that lends itself to the meditation. I mean, some certainly from the past, we were designed to walk away from problems right. and move, avoid the problems by 
walking to another place. So this is interesting because I would, I would go for a walk wanting to be away from everyone. Yes. And so you're saying the solution would have been, and of course it was worse. Yes. I should have gone for a walk with my wife or somebody else. Yeah. And just had a chat. Yes, for sure. So and, that's a therapeutic process. Is that's right. That's right. Okay. I mean, if you, you find out that uh, your wife is uh, less concerned about what your behavior is right. and the behavior is, well, love is about spending time with somebody. Hmm. So that's. So those of us who don't want to be around people, now we know post-pandemic, those are introverts, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, uh, yeah. Probably should spend more time around people. But people, they... Like. Well, uh, yeah, and there's degrees of everybody needs other people. Okay. To different degrees. Right. I mean, I, I used to think about... I mean, I love, you know, I like being around people so much that I wondered if I was going to become a lounge singer. But uh, that has that didn't uh, happen. Changed. That didn't happen. Uh, so, um, but it, but people that don't want to, that has to be respected. Well, Chuck, when you say that uh, you're more stressed during during the times that you felt more stressed, you didn't find walking uh, helpful because your mind was racing, but. Why were you doing it? You know, it was a coping mechanism. Right, yeah. And when you got home, you felt better. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The exercise works. And let's being outside. Get, and yeah, outside. nature is yeah. huge. Yeah. Uh, it's better to walk in a forest than it is, you know, in downtown Calgary or any downtown. Okay. But uh, let's get back to the app. Mm -hmm. The meditation apps, I use a meditation app. It, it, uh, it's guided, so it helps with mindfulness um, and sort of looking at what's important and what isn't. And also, I only do it for 10 minutes a day, mm -hmm. and it makes a difference. Right. What is the difference for you? The difference is, I think, it's a little bit, like prayer, which is another form of meditation, meditation. Yeah. where a person reflects on what is important and how am I conducting myself. So if I can meditate better, it helps me orient towards listening rather than talking. Okay, so in the end, with all of these applications that are available, because there's so many, um, my question to you would be, what, what are they doing? How are they helping people? And um, is there any evidence in particular out there that you can speak to that says they're either, you know, that they are effective? Well, yes, well, the, that, that information is present and all included in um, the information for uh, a link attached to this show. Mm -hmm. But there is another ongoing study that has really focused on what are the patient's experiences in terms of is it more effective or less. Mm -hmm. And the measure is, is always on showing that doing nothing or comparing to medication or whatever it is, but 
mostly doing nothing, does the mindful meditation app make a difference? A difference to what? A difference to one's mental health. If you can relax, you are going to lower anxiety levels. And if you lower anxiety levels, you're going to lower depression levels. Okay. And there will be a link to some study that's available? Yes, that's, thank you for, for asking. It, the, the study is uh, uh, the Polaris study, uh, which is looking at mood disorders and bipolar disorder and uh, measuring pa patient experience and what doctors and psychiatrists are recommending. Okay, great. And that'll be in a link. That'll be in a notes. link. I'll make yeah. sure that that's there. Okay, great. So uh, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to hog our show. <laughs> um, Chuck, I want to hear about the sleep apps or devices that you thought were worthwhile. Mm -hmm. So I think um, the big one is that people are wearing. There's wearable technology. People are wearing their watches and and different devices to measure their sleep at night and different components, physiologic components of their sleep at night. And then there are also apps like there would be in psychiatry um, as well uh, that are available online. So I think from my perspective, I do want to focus on the wearable technology because it's out there. People have a, a, a misunderstanding of the value of the data that comes off of them. And so I think that's really important to clear up. As far as the apps go, all of the apps are very good at, um, in the same way you've said, these things actually are quite effective. They are studied um, extensively, actually, for their effectiveness in managing people's insomnia and whatnot. So I wouldn't really talk too much about the apps themselves, but more the wearable technology. And so people need to understand that when we study a person's sleep, to get objective evidence about whether they're sleeping or not or whether they have a sleep disorder, the uh, golden standard, so the gold standard, um, is to put you into a sleep lab. And many people think, oh my God, if I sleep in some room with all of this technology on me, I'm not going to sleep. Well, that's actually not I'm, the case. I just want to interrupt, Chuck. Mm -hmm. That's what I would think. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And what you would think is what most pe patients will say to us, right? I hope that's How true. How am I going to yes. sleep in this lab? Yeah. And so... <clears throat> Uh, but most people actually do sleep, and we do get very valid, reliable data on the sleep quality, the instability of sleep, and sleep stages. Wow. Okay? Um, there is newer technology, again, an algorithm that's been developed by a Canadian uh, that actually gives us a measure of sleep depth, so how deep are you sleeping, and the likelihood that you would be woken up through the night. So are you an unstable sleeper? And this would be typical of insomnia. So that's in the sleep lab. That's the most accurate information we get. When you wear a watch, the tool inside the watch that is measuring sleep, quote unquote, is actually a movement monitor. So it's a three-dimensional accelerometer. So it's actually measuring movement, not sleep. But movement is correlated to sleep. So it's a surrogate marker or a removed marker of whether you're sleeping or not. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. There's some big words in there, I though. Uh, surrogate 
was a bit yeah. a bit you know I got to stop that. Uh, you know, I, I think it's I think it's okay. okay. It, uh, the 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 producer was... seems to feel it's okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So when I say surrogate, and I think this is really important because wearable technology is now ubiquitous. The Another medical, big word? It's all over the place. Okay. Okay. And um, so because it's all over the place, we are gathering big data on people's sleep. And so all of the companies that collect big data in cloud-based environments are gathering data and using it to advise how doctors behave with patients. So this is important. And what I would say is the reliability and the validity of the data you get off your watch or wearable device is limited. Right. There are definite limitations to the uh, information that you're getting. Of course, all of these devices have an output, you know, a little pretty picture of your sleep stages and all of this and that. And so people think it's true and it may or may not be true. So here are the things that I think are important to tell the audience. One is, if you're a normal sleeper, the data coming off your watch is likely pretty close to reality. I see. Okay. And so if you're an abnormal sleeper, it's much less reliable and valid. And if you're a sleep doc, it's important that the patients who are not sleeping well are the ones you want the data to be accurate in. Exactly. And it's really not. So it's misleading to the public and to the people wearing the devices. Um, so I, you know, I have 10 years of sleep data from my watch, 10 years. And so I'm always looking for patterns of consistency. And my first watch for eight years was very inconsistent. The newer watch I got in the last two years, very consistent. But still just me me measuring your motion it's all, all the tool to measure is always the same okay well, yeah. i understand as time goes on what has happened is they're integrating heart rate into the analysis so the algorithm which goes back to you know our word of the day maniac this is very advanced mathematical algorithms that take all of the data and give you an answer you slept well or you didn't sleep well and I know that you've brought up before that we see patients in the sleep clinic that they have a study that really you can say, this is not showing, this yeah. is not accurate, yeah. but you're having a problem with your sleep yeah. or you would have never come here yeah. and we're going to help you. Uh, not provide some treatment that is not going to help you. Right. And I think that's the big thing is that people are looking to the watch to answer their problem. Right. Or in the olden days when there was no wearable technology, patients would go, I'm not sleeping well. I'm going to go to the pharmacy and get something to sleep. Exactly. Which was not the right approach. Right. Right. And so this is the same thing. They're, they go, oh, I've got a watch now. It'll fix my problem. Well, no, the watch won't fix your problem. Um, it'll give us information about your pattern, the way, the way you sleep. Like, is yeah. it really erratic or is it stable? And it'll give us some indication about the amount that you get in, in a night. Yeah. Those are the only two actual valuable variables 
that come off the wearable technology. So it sounds to me that it's a it's a real benefit for the patient instead of buying some treatment that won't work, mm -hmm. then maybe taking that money and investing in getting a sleep study. Again, uh, you'd still save money by coming to the sleep clinic because if that wasn't indicated, then uh, then you can be passed on again to get treatment that's effective and is always going to be less costly. Yeah, and my feeling is if you have a problem with your sleep, you should go see your doctor or your primary it, healthcare professional first. Um, yes. And yes. the technology is not going to help you solve that problem. Right. Mm -hmm. And all, I guess the, the other thing that I think of is that when we, uh, when I'm able to see these patients, the, uh, they've been vetted, there is no medical cause for, uh, for the, the reason for this issue that mental health has a lot to offer, right. psychiatry, uh, psychology. So my example of this, and we see many of these, number one is that patients come into their family doctors, but also come into us with their data from their watch. You know, they print it off and say, Doc, look at this, you know, what's wrong with me? And it's like, well, tell me your problem first. Let's, let's talk about what you're experiencing first, and then we'll see if the information is of any value or helping us, you know, sort through the problem. Because I have had patients that came so attached to their data that they wanted me to evaluate the data to answer their problem that they couldn't sleep or they couldn't stay asleep or that they sleep but they wake up so tired every day and that would be the classic one. I'm sleeping but I wake up tired. You know, here's my data, what's wrong with me? Well, that's, we can't do that, that's not possible. Um, and they were so attached to the data um, saying that they had such poor sleep that when I did the history, this is one particular patient, they actually were fine. They felt great. They were actually, when I did a sleep history, sleeping fine. But they were so worried about the data in the watch, and actually that creates a problem, an anxiety. Yes. Yeah. That can lead to a depression. It's a little bit like how atomic bombs are com compared <laughs> to computers. The uh, computer is giving us so much information, information. that we can't handle. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, people think, well, if somebody is a sleep expert, I should at least run it by them. Exactly. And if the person is ready to separate from the in from the, data. Uh, from the data and then take the information from the sleep expert, the likelihood is you would get, you would have a, a good outcome. A yeah. good outcome. Yeah. And so my point was I had to spend all the time with the patient reassuring them that they were fine, stop wearing the watch because that's what's causing the problem here. And, they, and the light went on at some point. I will give one more example, which is a uh, gold medal Olympic athlete who, of course, the athletes use their watch data for training. Yes. 
And I remember him saying to me, you know, there came a point as we approached the Olympics where the data became a problem for all of the athletes on the team. Interesting. They were so obsessed with their data, they weren't thinking about their performance. And, and it was a distraction. The coach had to take the watches away from them. And I'm a real, because we work with national team athletes, I'm a real advocate of taking the watches away because they become obsessed with data that really isn't helping them yeah. in the long run. So with that, I think, you know, we've had a good episode. Yes. Covered some territory. Yes, I've learned, I've learned, I've learned more about how I shouldn't try to prepare too much mm -hmm. for these podcasts because I need, I'm taking in so much information exactly. that is useless. I, because if you've been an expert, you're going to have something to say, to say in 30 minutes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. So for me that my homework is, well, I think you have something you want to. Yeah, I do. But I, no, you know, you go ahead. Okay. You're, you, All you right. leapt into saying I'll do it first. So okay. go ahead. Yeah. I want people who have watch data and are looking at their data for their sleep to take one month 30 days and think about how was your sleep? Just what was your experience? And then look at the data and see if they match. That will answer your question about whether your data is valid. Does it reflect reality? 30 days, personal experience versus the data coming off the watch. Your homework. I'm, I'm gonna say that the place to go for finding out about apps, finding out what works, focusing on quality of life, is to go to the Crest BD app, okay. the Polaris story of the review of apps, and, and, and one last thing, keep walking mm -hmm. and keep meditating. There you go. See you next time. And remember, Get your head to bed. I love that, and I'm, I'm going to try to get it right this time. Yeah, right. Get your head yeah. to, to bed. bed. Thanks, okay. Chuck. Yeah. See you next time. Mm -hmm.